0: This is Stories from the Storm, a series of oral histories on Hurricane Harvey from Houston Public Media and the Houston Flood Museum. Today, Jim Mattress Mack MacIngvale, the founder and owner of Gallery Furniture, and one of his store managers, Anthony Lebedzinski. They tell the story of how Gallery Furniture came to be a place of refuge for those displaced by Harvey and of harrowing water rescues they helped with during the storm. All right, so I'm here with Jim McAveill, also known as Mattress Mac. I'm here with Anthony. All right, so one thing that I recall the most, we were sitting here, and it was Friday. and It was just you and Jeremy and myself, and we let the employees go because we didn't know what to expect. And you asked Jeremy and myself, it was like, if we were going to expect the worst, what should we do? And we started planning from that moment on. And nobody really knew. Uh, it's Friday. The storm had just started reaching land, and we didn't even have any rain over on our side of town. So we went through Friday, and we said, let's prepare. And then, you know, we spent the night here, and then Saturday came in, and we still had nothing. Well, Saturday morning, the
1: streets were flooded, and we we closed the store. I remember that vividly because a day without cash flow to me is like a day without oxygen. That's right. <laughs> what happened was uh, Saturday... The skies cleared up out here on the north side, right? And we opened up for four or five hours because people kept calling saying, you open. And we sold some mattresses and some uh, sofas and stuff. Then uh, Saturday night, I went home to my house over there by the Galleria store. And you and Jeremy stayed here, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought the worst was over. Then I woke up Sunday morning and I couldn't get out of the uh, driveway into the street because the water was three feet deep. I finally got on the... 610 to drive out here and i went over the first overpass and the cars are coming the other way on the freeway Whew. you know and that's when i knew the hit the fan yeah so then i'm driving out here yeah. and i called jeremy and i said how do i get there he said the feeder road's completely flooded get off on the entrance ramp come the wrong way in the feeder road and you might get here Yeah. so i got here about noon and the phone's are ringing off the wall emails are exploding text messages everywhere saying you got to come rescue us we're going to drown You remember that? I remember that. That And it it wasn't that the policemen or (laughs) firemen or EMTs had done a bad job. They'd done a magnificent job. It was they were overwhelmed by this flood of biblical proportions. So uh, then what happened then?
0: So you asked us, what can we do to help? And we said, you know, we have these 24 footers and they're, you know, they're tall, they're four to five feet off the ground. And, you know, we can make, you know, a good five to six radius around here and help them pick people up. So, You know, some of our employees started showing up and we asked ourselves, how can just a handful of us help all these people? And we did everything in our you know, midst to help make sure this happened.
1: Yeah. So then I called James. He's stuck in Dallas with his wife and kids. And I say, how do we tell these people that we're going to be a a shelter here at the North Freeway and at Richmond? And how do we um, get drivers to come out here and drive these trucks around and pick up all these people that are flooded? And uh, James said, do a Facebook Live. So Jeremy coached me through that Facebook Live, and I gave out my cell number, and within a couple of hours, that Facebook Live had 4.5 million views. Yes.
0: The overwhelm of volunteers and help, and we, we knew this this town at that point was committed to help.
1: Yeah, and, and the volunteers came in. They showed us their a commercial driver's license and we picked two of them and put them in a truck and off off they went. You know That sign in the the front of the store says the American West was not settled by men and women who had taken a course on how to be a pioneer. We just went out there and did it. That's
0: right. So we lucked out, we got some CDL guys and we had a tow truck driver who knew the whole town. So we knew back roads, they knew the whole area. So that's the point where all these trucks started going out and people would start bringing them in. And, And it was exciting to help these guys.
1: Yeah, they brought them in, and they were covered with the dirty water and sludge, and uh, uh, shell shocked, uh, traumatized, had their life belonging in a black plastic trash bag. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And their and, pets too. Yeah. We we advertised
0: on Facebook they could bring their pets, and it didn't matter to you. You let them all in. Yeah. We we're so grateful for that. Yeah. So. <laughs> so then, then about.
1: Uh, Eight o'clock, I sent these brothers out to get. Was, was those two brothers? Those guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I sent them out to get another load of people that was that were flooded over at I ten in Wallaceville. Remember that? Oh, I remember that. And so uh, <laughs> uh they go over to get these people. And then it got really dark, and it's still a very hot, human rain, and cats and dogs. And about ten o'clock at night, I get a call from this lady. She says, "I was talking to my husband. He's in the back of one of your trucks over at I ten in Wallaceville." And then I'd there was a lot of people in the back of the truck with him because we had to load them up in the back of the truck like cattle. There was no place else to put them. So we had eight or ten people in the back of that truck. She said, and all of a sudden, everybody started screaming because water's coming in the back of the truck. She said, and nah, I'm afraid my husband and all those people have drowned, and the cell phone cut off. She couldn't talk to him anymore. And then that's
0: when I got the call.
1: That's right. (laughs) So I said, Anthony, you're six foot eight inches tall. You got to go out with Junior here. and Junior's five foot two. (laughs) So we dispatched the odd couple to go rescue them.
0: Yes. And that's when we started planning. We knew that Wallaceville, in a sense, around here, because it really floods, that it's going to be a bad area. And if that Penske sits four to five feet off the ground before it could even bog out, that we were gonna have some difficulty. So when Junior and I took off, I started planning a route, and we were gonna have to take 610 and come around the backside of Wallaceville to get to these guys. Because when you once we drove by the exit at Wallaceville, you couldn't even see the stop sign. The stop sign was underneath the water. Uh. They they could launch a boat off the the feeder up there. So we went up to I10 and came down the backside of Wallaceville. We ran into a spot that seemed dangerous, but in our sense our mission was to save these people
1: and all this time i'm at the store and uh the tension is so thick you can't cut it with a knife you and junior's cell phone wasn't working and uh your wife-to-be is here and she's worried that you two have, 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 have drowned so it, it was the, it was
0: extremely tense very and um, Unfortunately, Google Map has all these red lines flooded, flooded, flooded. And this area claimed not to be flooded. That's why we took it. So red line means flooded. Red line means flooded. Black means impassable. And we were trying to follow Google Map, and they're doing good. They're keeping it up to date, besides for this one part. We passed by a utility truck that had a Rawson and Koenig, which a lot of people know as a utility truck for electricians and stuff. And you know, it probably sits about as high off of the ground about it's probably my chin so i'd be about six foot and you can only see the top of the cap Uh. so we knew we were kind of in trouble (laughs) so it comes to the point where i tell junior let me get out let me walk this area i know we're right here where they're the their last coordinates didn't
1: y'all didn't y'all go to a convenience store
0: there was a convenience store we saw the water level was at about the middle of the glass of the convenience store. So we knew it was about three, three and a half feet, which we we're four and a half to five feet off the ground. So we knew it was a safe place for us to stop and get our bearings. Did you pull into the convenience store? We did. Um, and then the wake from the water did what? <laughs> there was so much water that the wake from the truck, because you don't let off the gas. As soon as you let off the gas, you, the potential of water being sucked up the exhaust pipe is it's gonna happen. The water was actually touching the glass of a Penske that's four foot high, four to five feet off of the ground. And it's pushing awake enough to where the tailpipe stays out of the water completely. But it created a tidal wave that had to have been a good foot and a half. Then it float away the ice machine from the convenience store. The ice machine literally picked up and moved over. So that's how much water you can tell is being moved and how much is being poured on the city. So so did the uh, the Penske truck have a GPS? Penske did not. We had to use the cell phones and they were working at that current time. So we're literally using the cell phones and we're just tracking our route. And then we knew the last uh, coordinates of our truck when they called in and said- I see.
1: So then you got out to wade through the water, not Junior, because it was over his head.
0: Correct. <laughs> So that part was easy. We actually, when I went around uh, one of the blocks, we saw that it went straight up, and we saw the road again. So we just took off, and we knew we we're in a time crunch.
1: So all this time, you think you got to get out there and rescue these people before they drown, right?
0: That was the only thing we could think of. Yeah. Is how much time we got because the water wasn't letting down. You, you, it almost felt like you could still feel the water rising. Right. And we got. I would say within an eighth of a mile, and we we're right there back at the feeder where we knew there were six foot of water. The stop signs, most stop signs are over my head. So you're talking about seven feet of water. So I said, junior stop. We're not gonna go through what we just went through. Let me walk it. And I walk, I'm starting to walk and I'm trying to skate left and right, find the curbs, find the trees, find the poles, find anything that I can. So you're trying to get light posting uh and get back way post, yeah. right? And then find the highest ground. And, you know, we're right before the feeder, behind the bank, and I found this great route. I, I was like, okay, we can make this route, get to our truck, get back off the route, and get these people to safety. So... I had seen the truck, it's still, it's pitch black. Oh, you can see our truck. I can see the truck, but it's pitch black. You can't see into the truck. It's still at a good distance, but I didn't have the time to walk away to it and come back. I wanted to get the truck and get over there. So instead of taking a direct, the same exact route I just walked that I knew was safe. I was trying to V-line it straight for the truck. And then that's when I'm walking and into a manhole I go. <laughs> so you fall into a manhole. Fall straight into the manhole. and. And the, you're heading
1: to Galveston Bay.
0: Straight for the San Jacinto, and here comes Galveston. That's the only thing that's left.
1: That's all you can think about. <laughs> that's
0: it. And at the current time, the water's at about my waist. So even if I go under, down into a manhole, the water's already over my head. And the only reaction I had was my hands went out, and my hands are sitting flat on the cement. So that leaves straight out. And that just leaves this above the manhole, and I'm in four feet of water. So now it's fish so you're totally water. submerged. It's totally submerged. Uh, and at the current time, like when you step and you're not expecting, you don't have a breath. It's not say, "Let me take some air real quick." Yeah. It doesn't happen. The undertow, I think, just because the level of the water that was already saturated in there, that the undertow wasn't as bad. Or I probably would have went for that ride, but it wasn't too bad. So. I caught myself and literally tried to push up enough to grab a breath of air. And then I went back under and so it pulled you back again, pulls you back in. And you're reaching around, there, there's no ladder there. Like, you know, there's no way to push yourself back up, besides for the cement that was in front of me. And when I pushed on that cement, you can just feel the cement just tear the skin off. But that one, that wasn't the thought at the time. I, I didn't really realize skin didn't it.
1: matter. Didn't matter. Life
0: mattered. <laughs> flight or flight. Hey, get out or go away. Get out. <laughs> get <getting there>. out. <laughs>
1: in the sand just sent So
0: you know, I pulled myself back down and got back up and literally just ripped the skin off. But I pulled myself back out, and that was the lucky part. So I limped back, and this is when you know. Uh, my cell phone i left it in the truck i don't know why i just left it in the truck and i'm not answering and i think you're telling me about you know my future wife-to-be was you know standing out (laughs) freaking out
1: i'm freaking out everybody else in here is asleep and it it was different Uh, it's about midnight or one o'clock now
0: so i get back to the truck and we get over to where our truck is and i i run in there real quick not really running limping over there and the truck's empty, and we had, we had wondered what had happened. The w- water's in the back of the truck, and it's just, it's not a sight that you want to totaled,
1: see. The truck's totaled. The $60,000 truck's gone. Gone. But more importantly, we can't find the people.
0: So, and, you know, we we could only think of itself what could happen. And 610, you know, it's bare at that time. And we look across the way, and we see this truck sitting there, and it has a trailer on it, but with no boat. And we walk over there and You walk
1: across 610.
0: Walk across 610. There there's nothing going on. Unbelievable. And we walk over there and there's a lady sitting in the truck, and we ask her, we go, Do you happen to know if there was anybody in that truck that was over there? Across 610. Across 610. And she goes, Absolutely. And you know, our spirits got more up. She goes, My husband just launched his boat right off right off the feeder of Wallaceville. And he went over there, and he picked him up, and he went into that neighborhood. And, wow. you know, it was just a big sigh of relief. And he said, he'll be back in a minute. Just just hang tight. And
1: all about this time, it's about 2 o'clock in the morning here. It's still raining cats and dogs out here, very hot and humid outside. And we got 250 people asleep in here. And uh, we cranked the air conditioning down to about 60 degrees because so many people are in here. They're sleeping with uh, these blue furniture blankets. That's their blanket. <laughs> we had lots of pillows, but no blankets. And so uh, about the time the two front doors open, this little girl walks in. She's Hispanic. She's about six or seven years old. She had her parents with her and a guy that I think was her uncle. She's the only one who spoke a word of English. And uh, all this tension is just unbearable for all of us that are here worrying about y'all. And she... Walks in the door, she's crying, she's traumatized, she's wet like she'd been swimming for her and her parents, and her uncle waded up the feet of road and three feet of water to get here. And now she's cold and freezing and shivering, and she walks up to the front and she says to me, Can we stay here tonight? And that kind of defined the entire thing with the tension worrying about you and Junior and those eight people in that truck.
0: Yeah, that was a story to remember. So, what happened then? <laughs> So we talked to the lady and you know, and we we just getting to know them and see why they came out here. They drove all the way from San Antonio because of what happened. And and that just that that was just the start of it. What time did y'all get back here? It was about two thirty in the morning. Yeah. I was really
1: happy to see (laughs) y'all. And
0: in your mind, you know, the time was going so quick, but so slow because I could only imagine waiting for a rescue and a just trying to get there like everything was impassable and you know and that that was just a defining moment right there when the lady said san antonio and we all got back here everybody was safe and you know for the next three days yeah three or four days we stayed here with all those people
1: that night that sunday night there was a big uh Giant guy kept wandering around. He was menacing looking, and uh, we thought he was going to do something strange, you know, with all these people sleeping on these mattresses and sofas and uh, recliners, and finally he came up to me and asked where the trash bags were, and he got the trash bags and started emptying the trash, and he got all happy, and I said, what happened? He said, I'm finally able to help people, and that's kind of what, what Houston and Texas responded. People wanted to help people. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you and Junior led the way, and thank God you're not in the San Jacinto <laughs> or the Galveston Bay.
0: And that was that was the outpour. I, I remember because there was a dozen of us employees and yourself, and then the volunteers. You know, the the women wanted help, the guys wanted to help, and, and they just started asking, and everything started to come together. And people came in from
1: around the country. telling about all the water trucks that Trey the Truth bought.
0: <laughs> so we started right after where retail was. There was nothing, there was still, so we opened up as a distribution center for supplies, goods, uh, baby stuff, water. And I can remember, you know, trade the truth came and he was bringing two trucks a day, two Two trucks a day of of water, incredible,
1: probably about twenty thousand dollars per truck. Oh, yeah, we had the entire advertising agency going to every uh, Home Depot and Walmart in town, buying up all the cleaning supplies.
0: And so we used this, uh, we used the receiving dock, and it was probably 20 trucks a day. It, it felt like, if not more. And and I would ask every time they would come, you know, where are you from? Washington State, Maine, Wisconsin, Oklahoma, New Mexico. You know, and, and it was over two, three. And we did this for, what, week and a half, two weeks almost? Oh, yeah, a good three weeks. Oh, yeah. And
1: remember, I got a call from this guy. He says, my name's Steve Van Doren. I'm with Van Shoes. And I didn't know what Vans shoes is because I'm not a hipster. <laughs> he said I want to bring out and give away five thousand pairs of shoes the next hour. I said, "Well, come on." He came out and gave out five thousand pairs of shoes. He sure did. What a guy! Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean that I I couldn't believe the outpour between Orange County and Vans and you know uh, it, it was just everywhere and and it felt great. People to- slept
1: right here on the. Uh, we got out all these twin mattresses, put them everywhere, and they slept in here. And we had the. Uh, it was cool that night, those several nights we had these big uh, ceiling fans on. So it was pretty cool out here. And they, people slept all out here and they lived here. And then, you know, like Tuesday night, uh, all these restaurants that rose became passable. And they all brought this food out here. It was like gourmet food. <laughs> and people said, do you eat like this all the time? I said, no, we really don't. <laughs> I felt like I had to put a suit yeah. on to eat dinner that night. <laughs> and we all stayed here for about a week. It was, it, was, it was the worst of times, but also the best of times. And it couldn't happen without you.
0: And you, for sure. You started this rally and you ended this rally. And it was phenomenal. And I was so glad to be part of it. And it's just an everlasting memory. It, no matter how worse the situation was.
1: You can overcome. That's the story Houston, the story of Texas, the story of Hurricane Harvey.
0: Stories from the Storm
1: is a project of the Houston Flood Museum in partnership with Houston Public Media and is supported by Houston Endowment. Visit HoustonFloodMuseum.org.